This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Another one. We the best. I'm out. Uh, cause you're like, oh yeah, you're the fucking beaver. Uh, you're like Coob, but worse. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. <laughs> you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. There's no team that scares me. There's no team on the schedule that's, that's scary, you know. It's like, you know, Utah is playing uh, at the Swamp. You know, we, we don't have that game. You know, we've got a, we've got a, uh, in my opinion, it's like a slightly above average Michigan State team, you know, which which uh, we should try to schedule every single year. It's <laughs> some middle of the road Big Ten team. Roddy, Roddy, thanks for joining us tonight. And what's the what's the biggest question in your mind as as we're looking at the season, just two and a half weeks away or so, or two weeks away? Well, the obvious answer is quarterback. You know, until we have a good one, we, they all suck. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Penix uh, do his thing. Hopefully, he starts. I'm I, I'm the same. I, I'm doing it now. I get excited every year. I say I won't, and then, you know, the season comes along. You get sick of Mariners baseball. I don't even really watch. I just box score read for the most part. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, good to be on. Um, I'd say I'd say quarterback followed by D line. You know, we haven't had a very good defense in a while. I don't care what the numbers have said. They've been soft up front, and that needs to change. So hopefully, we get back to hitting hard and some real husky football. You know, on Hardcore Husky over the last several weeks, there's been like, I, I post different links of, about Sam Heward, and he's been a very prominent face of the program during the summer and the attempts with NIL and everything. And yet, as I've stated repeatedly on the boards there, he's also our third string quarterback, which kind of bothers me a little bit, as I've stated. And, and uh, what, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Rody? And then, and then we'll go to Wooly there. I mean, same thing. I, I don't care who the coaches are. If you watched him start that game last year, it was the worst game. If, if Bill Morris played that game, man, everyone would just be absolutely heated. Uh, you know, times have changed in college football in the sense that they're freshmen, but, you know, you expect them to be more ready than that. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying I expect him to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. No one was doing that last year, but... I didn't expect to see a shell-shocked kid, and that, that's, the, that's my problem with him is, you know, he still kind of seems like a boy, which is, which is good, which means he's got some development ahead of him, but also you've got to be a man playing quarterback, and I don't know if he has it. I, 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 I don't think he does. I'll, I'll call it right now. I, I don't think he does. We have the fans that talk about leveling up. I didn't see anything in that performance that was like, oh, yeah, this is the guy that, you know, can win us a conference title one day. I see a mid-level starter at best. 
Did you drop out? No, are you, everyone's still there, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Derek? Did Derek drop out? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're probably still, re- we're, we're probably still recording, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. I heard, I heard the dead air. <laughs> I said, come on now, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he got, he, he already got disgusted and left. Don't worry, it, ha- it happens. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> yeah, we've been on a roll. Uh, I, I'm I'm with I'm with you on I'm with you on Sam Heward. I'm kind of I'm I'm not seeing it. You know, he looks like too much of a fucking square, not an right. alpha male. <laughs> right. That's uh, what I see. Just seems like a Catholic schoolboy out there. You know, masquerading as a college quarterback. Yeah. I. I mean, sons of pro, sons of quarterbacks are you know sons of pros. At quarterback, other than Peyton and Eli, what's the track record there? Uh, I, I feel yeah, like it's I not agree. that good. I feel like in football, you just, I mean, I feel like you really need kind of an edge and a chip on your shoulder a lot of time and to be super tough. And I just feel like it's hard to grow up pretty wealthy and, you know, have a lot of things set up for you and have what it takes to to go over the edge. I mean, yeah, you just don't really see I feel like you don't see it. Uh, are you, are you, egg, chicken and egg thing, but uh, he played with all Pac-12 wide receivers. There's two at UW, one at Cal. I, I think there's quite a few quarterbacks in the state that could play pretty well with that kind of receiving core. You know, I, I think you could play whoa, whoa, in whoa. your postgame. Whoa, 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 you guys are still talking? Yeah, we tried to keep it going, yeah, man. I, we tried to keep it going. We're pros over here. I just assumed... <laughs> I just I don't know. It was still recording because this happened to us like, you know, mid-season at some point. So, no. Um, well, how has the conversation been good? Uh, I can edit this part out, and we'll just keep going. Yeah, it's fine. It was fine. Uh, we we were at we we gave our thoughts on Sam Heard. We did some Sam Heard bashing quickly, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. All right. Uh, please keep going. I then I don't stop midway. I just keep going till the wad's gone. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. There's the title of our episode. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, anyways, with, with Sam, you know, I, I think you could put me a post-game more slices with uh, three Pac-12 wide receivers at Kennedy High School. And I think I'm winning eight or nine games. I think I'm having some 300-yard games. Um, so I, I think that has something to do with the inflated rating. And something else you got to remember is, you look at the top ten quarterbacks every year, you, you've only heard of one or two of them most years. Most of them bust out, they transfer out, transfer to smaller schools, and they become mid-level guys. Or completely terrible. Yeah, but it seems like yeah. every every five-star, they come they come right in and, and like, they, they get a chance. To, like, they do something, if, I don't know, practice, they win the job or something. It's like, and he did, like, none of those things. It was just, and, and it was just Dylan, oh, Dylan Morris looking bad to where we were finally like, okay, we got to see something else in there. Something's got to give here. Well, yeah, I, I, I wasn't used to upset come... with him coming in. I wasn't upset with him starting the game because, uh, you know, we've seen enough of Dylan Morris. And, you know, some people say it's the John Donovan offense, which, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about a bunch here. It's just what the fuck are they doing hiring this guy, you know, an assistant running back coach in the, in the NFL. Was t- absolutely terrible at Penn State. 
just a strange hire from the beginning that, uh, you know, I, I that eventually I do doubt and said, okay, well, maybe, you know, it'll be okay and we'll be all right. But that was false Duke hope, which happens, happens to the best of us. Well, I will say this, though, that if we go back into the uh, the archives of Hardcore Husky in 2020 for those four football games, we're going to find several threads where people are talking about how good Morris looked moving around in the pocket and how good Morris right. looked leading the team down the field. Uh, so he's not like a complete, you know, nothing. Yeah, I agree. He had, he did have some decent games, and uh, I'm sure you could find threads of me where it was uh... – I think it's on the recruiting board about, you know, thank God we got Morris instead of one of the Millen sons or whoever else we were after that year. But uh, things change, man. Things change in college football now. We're on to Michael Penix, and hopefully he's the guy. I will say this because everybody knows I've been super high about Michael Penix, maybe too high based on that Indiana video that I've seen on YouTube. But – at least the reports that are coming in from Christian Capel and stuff, it sounds like he's been mediocre at best so far during the fall. Yeah, I saw that too. And uh, not to read too much in the practice reports, the one thing I liked is uh, Shepard, the yeah. wide receiver coach, just uh, he had the quotes that just said, oh, I absolutely love the guy, great leader. And that, that really gave me the assurance that, okay, this is the guy that he's really committing this hard with him to the media. So, I mean, he had all coaches going to say games. that. Did I steal that one from you, Derek? Say it again. Uh, I, I thought you said you were going to say that. I said, did I steal that one from you about uh, – I think his name's Jamarcus Shepard. I'm blanking on this first name, but Shepard, the wide receivers coach. Seems oh, yeah, high, yeah. Um, I, I was just saying, oh, no, I am too, but I'm saying when he's praising Penix, what, does, don't all coaches basically do that unless you're Tyrone Willingham? Yeah, good point. Good <laughs> or point. Steve Sarkeesian. I'll, I'll say with the other coaches, they've been pretty reserved about, you know, all three guys are getting better. We'll make a decision soon. Um, I, I just think, you know, and, it, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that Penix, he wasn't brought in to sit on the bench. Uh, he's familiar with the system, and he'll be the guy out of the gates. Yes, oh, yes. And, and I, I guess the other, hopefully I'm not shifting gears too much, uh, too quickly here, but the thing is, it's like my concern is, is that our offense is going to look pretty good. We're going to be moving down the field and scoring some points. But even against Kent State, if we're going to be – they're talking about how aggressive we're going to be on defense. But if that middle section is porous and we're giving up six- and seven-yard gains to Kent State, you know, you're going to see people posting on the boards, I've seen enough, you know? All right. All right. Well, yeah, we're, we're going to need to blow them out. And then even then, we'll say, ah, oh, it's nobody. So, we know the third game's the barometer to start the season. Yes. Uh, the, you know, the real barometer, at least. Uh, no one will really believe it until we we beat Michigan State. If we do, I think you'll see a change of the guard, other than from a few of them. Oh. It, it, Willie, do you, do you, uh, what's your biggest worry getting going into the year, then? Um, I definitely think quarterback is, you know, I'm not going to be a revolutionary. I think just having that be such a question mark and no one really being a serious answer, because even Penix, if you fully believe in Penix, I mean, the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy for, uh, you know, more uh, more than you can count on one hand for his entire career. Uh, so, yeah, I think having that be a big question mark is still 
the big worry. The, the other problem is I, I'm worried about pretty much everything. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing I. There's nothing I feel good about. Not one. Not one position group. Not one. You know, scheme. Not uh, uh, you know, a specific player. I I think what gives me confidence is that you know I think that I I trust I trust that you know they're going to have a scheme to come in that's going to be you know suitable and uh, the bar is going to be so low. I think that's another thing. I think when you're talking about Kent State to me, I mean uh, one of the best things for you know the boring company is like hey, it can't be worse than losing to Montana seven to thirteen. I mean even if they win like. 28 to 20 or something, you're going to be like, well, this is better than last Labor Day weekend. Uh, not really going to know much until Michigan State comes to town. So I, uh, but yeah, if you had to give me one thing, it's quarterback. I think we've seen so much in college football, uh, you know, in, in football overall. That that quarterback swing can easily be a three game swing where you win three more games than you should, or you lose three more games than you should based on you know, who your quarterback is and think if they're a difference maker. Uh, and I have no idea. I have no idea what they have. Joey, don't you think that running back's a huge, huge, huge concern? Uh, yeah, I mean, if they're – if you're already kind of starting this uh, Julia Papa, Alafala, <laughs> you know, Ma Ma guy, uh, and what is it, Will Nixon – at running back, and uh, did you hear? Uh, did you hear any of uh, Ryan Grubb's uh, comments on uh, Richard Newton and uh, Cam Bates? Yes, especially Newton. I that did. was like, oh boy. He, he almost he almost sounded like he was uh, he was like angry about it. He was like, yes. I've got nothing. I've got nothing on him because I'm seen him. You know, <laughs> like he, he ain't done like, nothing. Hey, is what hey, I think hey, what he said or something. Hey, 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 I gotta down, say you're, <laughs> I gotta say you're killing you're killing the dooging now. Now I'm thinking, oh man, our O line sucks too. You know. <laughs> uh, well, here, yeah. No, so, so, um, okay, but we return a bunch of you know a bunch of players from last year's team. I know that doesn't excite anybody, but I can't remember who who pointed it out like a few weeks ago, a month ago. I, I don't I don't remember where I heard it, but. They lost five games in the fourth quarter last year with basically a dead man walking coach. Right. Um, and then a shit interim coach who didn't want to do it. Uh, the, the worst offensive coordinator in the last, I don't know, 50 years, you know, uh, in, 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 college, in, in college football. I mean, I, I'd, have ra- I'd rather ran the uh, the Houston beer over over the right. shit we were running last year. I mean, what a so, program we're a fan of, huh? Like a, huh? <laughs> well run program here. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's like, okay, so we lost, uh, we barely lose all these games, um, and then we bring in a you know an a actual legit offensive scheme. And honestly, like you look at the you look at the receivers, and they all like look actually big now. They don't look like tiny, you know, Andre Bocelli, Aaron Fuller, Jordan Chin uh, running all over the field. Like it's they're actually like they're all like over six foot or six foot one now. Except for Tanae, I think. Well, and then Giles Jackson. 
I don't expect nothing about Giles Jackson. He's going to get the Jordan Polk Award every single fucking year he's here. Right. Right, that that that's so, that you know scrimmage scrimmage MVP where he's played against third stringers and he's just faster than all these walk-ons. Guy is a fall camp. Everybody's gonna write a fucking article about him and then he's gonna have, you know, four catches or something and you know a couple <laughs> like, a couple like I've reverses. Always, I, I've always know. loved guys like that. You know, that it used to be the spring game where there'd be some re- receiver that hadn't played for two or three years <laughs> and catches three balls for a hundred yards in the spring game. And you'd go on Dogman, and they'd just be like, you know, it's Antavius Sims, I think he's going to be, have a big season for us. And you just know he's not. <laughs> well, I remember I the mean, 2000 spring game. Uh, I went down, there was a sunny day, and Adam Kate, you guys remember that name? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought yeah. uh, he, he was doing some good things. And I was like, you know, we're going to the Rose Bowl. This guy's awesome, you know. And, uh, and I, I, thought, uh, I thought that was the future there. I, I, I think I don't Adam. Could... I, I think his name was Adam Siri. I went to. They used to practice at Evergreen. Uh, Evergreen <laughs> Siri, Siri, yeah. Was it Siri? Siri, yeah. I saw Rick Neuheisel get so pissed at this guy. You know, he throws just the shittiest ball, and Rick Neuheisel says, "God damn it, Adam! Put it on him! What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and you know, I'm about like I'm maybe twelve or thirteen. I'm just, geez, you know, this is intense right here. <laughs> I don't I think, know if I could I ever. Think Nick uh, Nick Jurin or something started a game last year. I yeah, think me and Wooly Dude me and Wooly Dude were sitting there like, who the fuck is that little vanilla midget out there? Like, <laughs> right. I, I remember when we played Nick when we Jiren? played Ohio State. We played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, and I think our starting receivers were like uh, Cook, who's now a safety, and uh, and Jordan Chin, I believe. And I was just saying, what the fuck's going on? This is the Rose Bowl. Why are these guys in the game? <laughs> Where's the normal guys? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think for me, every – you could – you know, some years I feel like you know, like, what the team is going to be uh, more or less going in. Uh, like you say, like, 2017, 18, you're like, you know, you knew what the team was going to be. And then there's years like this where you're just like – you could talk yourself into – a really good season, but you could also you could also right. talk yourself into a really bad season, and I think that's the case. You guys, like you every, guys just talked me into the bad season right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every position group, like the receivers, you're like, man, they're all a lot of them are big recruits. They're they're big. They got good size. They flash, but then you're also like at the same time you're like they've also shown bad effort. Uh, they've dropped the ball a lot. They haven't really done too much, and you can do the same thing in the offensive line. You're like a lot of highly recruited guys. Uh, some of them played early in their careers and looked good. And then you could also be like, you know, last year that was the worst offensive line like ever seen in the history of college right. football. And, you know, it can, go, it can go all the way down the line. So you could easily talk me into like like an 11-3 and three season, but you could also easily talk me into like a, a three and, you know, like a three and nine. And I think that's the same with like Joey saying, like they could beat everyone on their schedule uh, – especially with Michigan staying at home. They're like, there's no juggernauts. They avoid USC and Utah. Uh, I mean, I was even thinking today, I'm like, there's a deal where they could, you know, by avoiding USC and Utah, I mean, uh, they could lose to Oregon and they'll still win the North, you know, just because Oregon, if Oregon loses a few games and they only lose like two. Uh, I don't, right. So that would be talking myself into a good season. And then, but you're also like, you know, uh, they barely beat Arizona and Stanford last year and got lucky probably to beat both. 
uh, and you know, and Cal, yeah. and those were those were bad teams. And you know, even if they even if they prove a little bit, you know, that, that's still not that much. That's still a team. They're improving from a team that easily could have went zero four in a bad Pac twelve. So yeah, we're in a we're in the in between. We're we're in a, yep. a Duke purgatory. We could Duke. You can get drunk and <laughs> do your way to a Rose Bowl, but you can also get drunk and do your way to be, like, worse than last year. And, and you, so hit, I will, you hit on the receivers. That's the group that, man, if, if those guys aren't good with the new coach who has some success, you know, at Purdue, he's produced some NFL wide receivers, there's just no hope if, if Adunze and uh, McMillan are, aren't just drastically better. That's when you know, okay, we, we fucked it up again, and uh, we're in a bad place. I think Junior yeah, that in our linebacker play. Brony. Would... Go ahead. <laughs> I, th- I think Junior Adams was a fucking jabroni. Absolutely. Me too. Very overrated. Me you know, too. Almost like Oregon got him thinking they would spite us or something. <laughs> right, there was red right. flags. There was red flags on him when when uh, you know the Huskies hired him. You know, it was like, oh, he coached Cooper Cup, and then he. You know, he turned that into a like a one <laughs> one or two year stint at, at App State or something. So I, I've mentioned on the board we got a new one of those. The D line coach, coach, uh, coach Aaron Donald at Pitt. It's like you know that's ten, <laughs> ten, fifteen years ago. You know, I, I don't want to hear this shit anymore. It's, it's irrelevant to me. But it's like Randy yeah. Hart, uh, Randy Hart riding the Steve Entman train for twenty right. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the end, end. Didn't William Inns coach Colo Mack for like a year or something too? I think that's there. Same. We like, go. Same thing. It's like, yeah, he has like, yeah, yeah, he has yeah, like one year we, of coaching this guy. That's what we went. That's what we went over on uh, my Inge binge. But I don't. I can't remember if he. I wrote it down. I don't have my notes. I can't remember if he recruited him or not. I think he like had just inherited him. I think he did. I can't remember. I can't remember, uh, but yeah. It was something that had to do with, like, he, he didn't have, like, this full responsibility over having Khalil Mack. And then besides Khalil Mack, he, he's had, like, nobody. He's turned nobody into a pro player. I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. a tough recruiting battle for, uh, what's his name, Junior Adams to get Cooper Cup, too. He's, you know, from the story, he had so many options coming out of high school. So <laughs> I'm sure he really, sure really wined and dined him to get into Cheney. Yeah, I, I talked to a guy who he was like working at a, a camp. It was like when they were in high school and they're like Cooper Cup and Kaysen Williams were there and you were like you would think Kaysen Williams would be like a future MVP and Cooper Cup was like just a guy who you're like, Boy, he's lucky to go to Eastern. So yeah, I don't think he uh I don't think he uh had any hard recruiting battles at that uh That's that's the one thing that the recruiting heads will say, Oh, we missed out on Cooper Cup but like I'm sorry, but if WSU doesn't want him, Oregon State doesn't want him you know. <laughs> well, how so much did, miss it? I mean it end, so ended up being a huge Chris miss, Peterson. obviously, but Chris Chris Peterson could have recruited him to Boise and he didn't. It's like right. he's uh, totally the guy Chris Peterson would have recruited to Boise, and he didn't. Right. Oh, yeah. Just go down the list. Any Mac school, any Mountain West school, any uh, WAC school, I meant, or Mountain West school, none of them wanted him. So, you know, what can yeah. you do? So, well, you I, I guess my... a, you can complain on a conference call is what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so I guess my big nightmare to open the season would be is that if uh, we're throwing the ball well, Penix looks reasonably sharp. Our receivers are uh, doing a good job of uh, running their routes and catching the ball. But our running game's you know two point one yards a carry. Um, then it would be a concern for a long season. And what the um, what was the uh, newspaper report? It was either today or yesterday. And they were uh, Grub was talking up um, uh, Adams, Sam Adams. And Sam Adams, I took that right. as both. I was like, okay, that could be a real positive. Maybe there's something there. And it also sounds <laughs> of reeks of desperation. Like maybe this yeah, guy can. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go more towards the desperation. I, you know, I, I always hate it when you know <laughs> you see a guy kind of rise that's been buried, and then you're like, oh, okay, maybe he's good. But it's more just you know they're playing musical chairs. So you have to find a warm body to get on the field. I think coaches sometimes do exaggerate. They make a nice play in practice. Maybe Sam Adams had a nice blitz <laughs> pickup on DTF or something, and they say, oh, wow, he's got something. And he's still the same bum he's always been. And then yeah, the next I, thing I, you know, a panic too. is getting blindsided on missed, uh, <laughs> missed blitz pickups, and then uh, when we get into the real action, and then we're going, oh, shit. But, I've, uh, I wouldn't say conspiracy theory, but, I mean, with – me and Joe, mm. we were talking recently, and I kind of had a revelation because we always joke about uh, the Duke Man practice reports every fall. We're like, <laughs> so who? you always hear about, it's always like five guys who are always obsessed about and they're having great camps, and then they absolutely never do anything. And then you have someone like Miles Gaskin, Taylor Rapp, like Byron Murphy and all these guys who would just like are instantly, instantly like all Pac-12 guys and like all through fall <laughs> camps you never even heard it a single thing about him, but I'm almost like, I wonder if it's like an unspoken thing or uh, the coaches say like, don't talk about, or just don't give up, offer up in, uh, you know, words of praise on guys. They don't want people to know about. They don't want to be like, Hey, this guy's amazing. So uh, it gets out there that uh, they would much rather show up the, you know, the first, first week and be like, I think it was like Gaskin was the starter uh, kind of out of nowhere. And then he was, fucking great. I almost wonder if it's kind of like they tell the beat reporters and stuff, don't start, you know, don't start blowing up, you know, these players because uh, we kind of want to keep under wraps or they're like, uh, they just don't ever say anything about the guys they don't want people to, to really know about. I, I, I do wonder that because it's just so weird. Every year it's like you just hear about, yeah, Josh Jackson and uh, Nick Curran and Jack Westover and it's always these guys who just don't do anything. So I almost wonder right. if there's like, yeah, there has to be I, a, uh, there I, has to be an ex, uh, there has to be an explanation for Fetters's obsession with John Clark for four fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He might be that nacho man. Might supply the nachos. Maybe <laughs> maybe his father owns that mini mart over on Mod Lake. Who knows? John Clark. I mean, <laughs> my one guess would be that he was like a 258-pound de-tackle, so he could like he could like jump the line, you know. But like on one play that looks great, but then you know the next five plays he would get ragdolled. You get that guy gets ragdolled like uh, over and over and over again. But like that one play where he's able to knife, which the Montana D line did to the Husky offensive line only about. 43 times uh, in that game where the undersized D lineman just like knifed through the big, the bigger line. Uh, but the Huskies never figured out how to just, you know, 
grind those guys down. So maybe that was the John Clark thing. There's also that thing, I, I think, like, yeah. I actually missed the first half of the Montana game last year, and I, I saw we scored on the first drive, and I kept looking at the box. We were like, okay, any minute now, it's going to be 24-3, you know, 28-0. And then I turn on the game, and I see Montana's, Montana's D-line just knifing through us, and I said, oh, shit, like, this isn't good. This one's going to be a tough game. Well, because once I mean, you figure it, out that, that Dick Newton just goes down on any contact, allegedly... The, I, I don't know the, what happens to him. I swear he used to not do that. I, I remember we watched him in, uh, well, it's been so long, 2019 maybe, and he starts the year pretty good, and we're playing just a dead yeah. game against Stanford. And we put him in, and he starts running over people, and I say, finally, you know, we got a guy with some heart out here. And I, I remember you, know, you posting about it after the game, terrible. too. He got hurt. He got hurt in that game, and uh, you know. And uh, I am not saying that's the reason he sucked after, but uh, you know, he's been really bad after. And I, you know, I've written him off. I got no hopes for him. As it seems well, like my, Ryan Grant has no hopes either. My beef, my beef with him is he's got like no, you know, no wiggle. Like he, right? He he's got open field if he just makes a cut like to the right, and you know, he's got fifteen twenty yards before he gets tackled but he's more of a downhill guy and he runs in, he, he'll like run over a guy, but he'll fall down. It's not like he trucks a guy and keeps it going. Like he just falls, uh-huh. he just falls over. It's, and, then, and then he gets up and he's all like pissed off. And it's like, what are you pissed about? <laughs> right, right, right. With that, with that slap you, of the you, ball. You fucking like, oh, I almost it. had it. Yeah, you, you missed the cutback. <laughs> like what, what? What the fuck? You know, it's not like that guy prevented you from doing something. Like you did it to yourself. <laughs> but I think the something we're gonna. <laughs> were you gonna say, were you gonna say something, Rody? No, no, uh, no. It was me. I was just oh. gonna say he was oh. like the uh, Newton was like the opposite Miles Gaskin, where Newton would hit contact, <laughs> and then he'd do this weird helicopter thing, which looked really cool, where he would like kind of like spin a circle in the air, but it wouldn't result in getting any extra yards. He would just hit the ground where, you know, Miles Gaskin would get hit. He would go down, but he had this weird kind of like, uh, Gumby like wrestling. Yeah. Gumby wrestling move where he'd do like a back, like a back reverse backdrop. And then he would get like three extra yards and like run, run, like run an extra, like few yards out of it where Newton. Yeah. He did this weird, like helicopter thing where he absorbs the impact and he like spins and like, like, and it does nothing. It just looks cool. But one <laughs> thing that I'm optimistic about this year, though, is that I just got this uh, feeling from things I've seen and things I've read, things I've heard, that with Grubb calling the plays <clears throat> and setting things up offensively, that we're going to make use of space in ways that we haven't done in years. And we've been so inefficient in that. And then the, 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 most, the, the most agonizing or antagonizing, I should say, the most antagonizing part of that uh, was last year when McGrew did get into games and then we'd run him up the middle on first and 10 when he weighs 140 pounds or whatever instead of getting him outside in space. That's something that, that always bothered me, and it almost seemed like, I don't know, it just seems so stupid. Yeah, yeah that's I think, the John uh, Donovan offense. It definitely was yeah. stupid. There's a, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be a, be a football mastermind to know something was wrong with that offense. But, yeah, definitely – and uh, I will say I like how the coaches, they seem like nice guys, but they seem pretty no-nonsense, too. Like, they don't take a lot of yes. shit. They don't really beat the guys down. They seem very friendly, and the players seem to like them. But 
they don't really, uh, you know, bullshit and fluff it up a lot. So I, I do like that aspect of them, and that is the reason why I'm optimistic. Yeah, this is it. Their blue collar, yeah. their blue collar nature really is the antithesis of our of our kind of liberal environment up here. So, um, yeah. you know, it's it's a good hire from that standpoint to bring in something different. Yep, and, yeah, and, I, and I'm I I know we complain about the NIL and stuff, but I'm glad we kind of have just more development type coaches because uh, you know since I've been following you, Dub, the recruiting classes are pretty much the same. And, you know, they're they're when they're really good, they're ranked maybe 10 to 15. Most years they're borderline top 25, so they're relatively the same every year. It seems like on paper at least, and so we need some development in there. And I I don't think we're gonna necessarily outgun Oregon. It just is what it is. It's not happening. So we do need some development in that blue-collar nature and just developing guys and, you know, kind of having a good atmosphere around the program I do think is important. We need, yeah, like, a tornado one... to strike Eugene when, on the day we play them. You know, we need, oh. we, need, we need a tsunami. We need rain. We need, we need something. You're playing uh, into the – the problem of being scared of that team. That if that program was in like the, they should they don't want to go to the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, uh, especially like the Big Twelve, because it'd be a bunch of programs that aren't scared of them that would be like Utah and just like yeah, but that, that's them. not the reality. The it's all relative and it's us versus them, and they they are superior to us. I mean, come on. Uh, no, no I mean that's no, no. that's the mindset. I'm with you though. Uh, I, 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 every year I do hate, uh, and then you watch them and they don't never even look that good. Oregon, it's like this team is no, they're good. Not, they're not. And then, <laughs> and then they're so superior to us once we get out there. Last year's game, what a fucking joke that was. Yeah, beating Ohio State uh, at the horseshoe that was pretty pathetic. I gotta agree with you. You're right about that. Good, good, good rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't watch that one. I watched him play Fresno State. Okay. <laughs> and my hater, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. We wouldn't be we wouldn't be really excited about beating Ohio State. You're right. You're right about that. <laughs> I, you guys know Tristan, I mean, I'm not even... Tristan Vizcano is kicking for the Patriots. Shout out to Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how do you like that, Jake Browning? All right. <laughs> you just missed wide right. No, <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> Jake Jake Browning is somewhere rolling his eyes right now. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, Jake. <laughs> so, what, what do you uh, – maybe this is somewhat of a redundant question, but what are you guys most optimistic about? Any aspect of the schedule, the roster, uh, as we head towards the season here? We've been talking mostly negative, but – Yeah, I, I came on and I was expecting to do, and that, I, you know, I pulled up a depth chart <laughs> and started talking about the team, and I, I – you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm a little out of my mind with this. I, I, I mean, Rup- Ruparaki – Ruperaki might get nine sacks this year, you know. Yeah, there we go. Optimistic <laughs> for me, I, I would say the edges. I really like Braylon Trice. Uh, they say Martin's playing better. GTF, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's only a couple games, but we always forget that. We always act like, you know, he's an established stud, even though he did nothing last year. But, you know, if he can come close to that level, he did in 2020. You know, it's a dangerous player right there. Joey, go. Man, what, what about you guys? 
<laughs> my turn? Yes. Sure. Uh, what am I optimistic about? Well, um, I'm optimistic about, the, like I say, the schedule not being that difficult for a, mm. uh, you know, it's a new staff, but, you know, a lot of returning players. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm optimistic because there's no way the offense can be worse than last year. And, and to be honest, I'd rather watch uh, an aggressive defense or whatever, like they're going to run, you know, some attacking aggressive defense, then I'm just fucking burned out of that, you know, that shit zone defense where Asa Turner basically runs as fast as he can off the TV screen before each play starts. So I I think this, I think the offense is going to get, you know, rolling it you know, mid season where where you're gonna be pretty confident that they're gonna score points. So um that's even with that's even with uh hopefully Dylan Morris, because I think Dylan Morris, you know, he's got some fucking uh I think he was just a broken quarterback last year. So I'll, So you I'll, do I'll feel a little optimism. Pass. Oh look at you. Yeah, I, All right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you. Be proud of yourself. I'm not. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking yet either. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we'll check back in with you at 11:30. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we, uh, as we head down the stretch here, should we answer some questions from our valued posters? Yes. Let's do it. So let's see here. Uh, we got a few here from the, the Nacho Man. Um, okay. <laughs> Will <laughs> Jed Cohen wear leopard skin at every home game? Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Is, is anything here? I'm trying to see if there's I anything sure that we can. I sure hope not. God, I, <laughs> when I saw that picture, I said, who is this fucking woman that should be on the Real Housewives of Seattle, you know, running our AD right here? She just, she just looks like she's just, you know, hung over and like she's been smoking cigarettes all morning and just shows up at the game. Messy makeup, the leopard skin coat. Get it together, Jed. Get it together. She looks like party ant. She's a party ant, you know. She just looks and like actually, one of those women that you're scared of at closing time that you know doesn't realize. You know, you tell her you you need to go home and you're trying to be polite. And, you know, <laughs> saying just come with me. You might be able to get me by saying you know I'll give you some free tickets and this and that, but it's not that good. I'm not interested. <laughs> Well, for, we'll give a shout out to Hay, who's going to be throwing darts and drinking alcohol in his garage, while his wife and kids are watching something on TV. I hope Hay just has like an organ rose bowl just on repeat, just throwing darts, just disgusted, <laughs> just so pissed off. <laughs> Actually, because uh, Nacho put about eighteen questions on there, but none of them are serious. And Fire Cohen has a question here, but it's not serious. Okay, so here's the knowledge. Let's see. Let's get some talk about defense. The last Capo article in the WAM alluded to a more aggressive defense. I've said it many times, but when you're at the stadium and UW scores, the fans in attendance are pretty hyped up. Then the Quat Jimmy Prevent defense gives up a 14-play field goal drive with four third-down conversions to suck the life out of the place. I feel the staff will attempt to do the unthinkable, go for the jugular, I think if these guys can beat you 55 to 10, they will. 
Pete was more than happy to win 27 to 17, and Jimmy was quoted several times about his affinity for 20 to 17 games. Even if we're not a top 10 program anymore because of a dizzying array of factors, the least we could do is be entertaining offensively and defensively. What say you guys? Is what he says. And uh, I just hope we're not looking like the the Lambo '98 defense where we're blitzing ten guys every play and giving up seventy yard touchdowns. But I sure I hope not bit. too. Uh, I, I, I the one thing that I like, I, William Minch had a quote. I think in one of the Dan Riley SI dot com. He talked about you know uh, I got to pull up his name Tupa Tupatale Tupatala starting at linebacker, and he said. He can be a goon at the point of attack, and I've mentioned it before, but we need some guys to lay some hits in there. I mean, I don't want to hear about CTE and stuff. This is a violent game, and, you know, there's just such a difference when you're when you're really hitting hard on those four-yard runs and, we're, you know, you're tripping a guy up. And so hopefully we get some hard hits again because that gets the crowd going. And also how they said, you know, the 14-place field goal drive, it was frustrating. It was very annoying. You know, that's hopefully where we our revamp pass rush can bring him down and get those sacks on those third and five, third and sixes. And, and you know, yeah, last – last. Yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is just like that 14-play drive, even if it only results in a field goal type thing, I think it just – it feels like in, even when things were going well, the offense never had it easy. It always felt like there was never like the offense got a short field – you know, from like a turnover or they just, you know, they, they pinned the team back, back back deep and then they got the, a punt at the 45. I feel like they've had just years of games where it's like in the third quarter the announcers are talking about like Washington, you know, their average starting field position has been like their own 12 or something. Like I think that's another underrated part of it is just like it just never felt like the offense ever got like a – never didn't have to like do their own 15-play drive to get down the field because they were always getting – pinned by a punt or, you know, getting a, getting a kickoff every time. Yeah. Yeah, it always seemed like we were pinned ten. back. Yeah, we were always pinned back. And it, it, the 14-play drive, it just kills the momentum, and that's why we did end up in those 2017 games, the 27-17, because, you know, every every drive was, you know, so much effort. And that's what I'm looking forward to on offense, too. Hopefully we have some explosive plays because – it's just, even when we are playing well on offense, it's just been so methodical. And that's been since 2016, really. You know, maybe Gaskin broke off a 20-yard run, but, you know, it's just converting a bunch of third downs. And hopefully we get some more chunk plays because you you, you turn on the TV on the other college football games, it seems like everyone else can do it. So I don't know why we can't. The script. The script needs to change. That's yeah, we need a new writer. In there. That's, that's our script. We can't have what they have. <laughs> right. Now, from what we've witnessed so far from uh, head coach Kalen DeBoer, is, are, are we all on board in the sense that we see nothing but uh, green flags here, or is there any red flags at all? I like what I see so far. Yeah. I got green flags. Uh, yeah. From the board? Uh, Aside from the recruiting, uh, I I would say I'd say the recruiting is somewhat of a concern, but you know that's kind of irrelevant at this point. We're talking the season, you know, we're not getting right. no guys we can bring in for this season. So I think that's something they'll play out over time. But 
you know, they the board has success coaching. I I don't care if it's NAIA or whatever the the hell it was. He was coaching. You know, you go sixty seven and three. You obviously can you know keep a team organized. You obviously have some schemes that work and. Uh, even at Fresno, you know, I watched him last year, and Jake Hanner was looking good. He's my favorite player to watch last year. I loved watching Fresno last Amen. year. Amen. So, uh, I, I hope to see some of the same. It looked like a good offense there. Uh, well, another thing that I really like, and I'm sorry to get sidetracked here, I really like that uh, Inge was the defensive coordinator calling the plays at Fresno, but he's, he's kind of been a journeyman coach, and uh, DeBoer went with this guy, Morrell, who uh, – has been his guy for a while, and he made him the, the defensive coordinator here. So I think he knows, you know, that something's had to change. And so I, it's all green flags for me so far before we play a game at least. And Willie? Yeah, I think green flag. I mean, he just he doesn't say stupid stuff. He seems likable. <laughs> I mean, that's serious. You don't, you get, you know, plenty of coaches like Jimmy, all the, the stupid shit he fucking said from as soon as he got the job. Uh, he doesn't seem like arrogant or cocky, but he seems to have this kind of confidence and secure, like feeling secure. Yeah. He, I think that's a good descriptor. He's not like a Stark or blowing, blowing a bunch of fucking smoke at you. And he's not like a Jimmy who's just saying stupid shit. Uh, and I, I was really concerned about recruiting, but I feel like whatever happened in June uh, that seemed to kind of pump it up, to a reasonable level. I'm not like, you know, over the moon about it, but that did a lot for me. Uh, I think like road dog was saying, I mean, you have your ups and your downs recruiting at Washington, but you need to be able to like, all you need to do is like recruit your guys and maybe steal a few guys from USC, you know, get a few local guys who are good recruits and, you know, beat out Cal, ASU, Oregon for guys. Like it's not rocket science. And I feel like he can do that. And, yeah, I feel like last year they showed with inferior talent, uh, I, at least I hope Fresno State has less talent than Washington, that they could, you know, play with or, uh, Oregon and UCLA both on the road. And I think that says a lot to me. And I think that especially with the offense moving the ball as well as they did against those teams, uh, I, I feel like that's, you know, that, that shows a lot. So I, I think I'm not like – I don't think it's, uh, you know, a slam dunk yet, but I, I definitely would put it in the green over the red. And then um, I think all of us would be in agreement that um, this season's very critical for the future of Husky football, that there needs to be a 9-3, and, and 10-2 and two type of uh, season to push the team forward, the program forward. And as we look out across the conference, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on some of the various teams? I think that uh, – I think the hype around USC is a bit premature. I don't see them having a, a strong season this year, uh, maybe somewhere around seven wins or something. I think they're expecting far too much uh, magic right away. The future might look really bright for them, uh, but I would actually be a little bit more concerned about UCLA than USC. And uh, uh, we'll start with you, Rody. but what, what would be your response to that and then any other teams you guys want to talk about? Uh yeah, I I think USC will be pretty good, but you know until they have a defense, they don't. So you know it's it's tough to keep winning fifty two to forty eight, and I think they will be yes. in quite a few of those type of games, and they'll drop some of them. Uh, so I agree. I don't think that they're going to just run run over the conference like maybe the mainstream media would expect. I think that's kind of a name thing. You know, we got Lincoln Riley, we have uh, Blake on the quarterback, Caleb Williams at quarterback. 
bunch of transfers for USC, but I'm with you on that. I think Utah will be damn good. Uh, they probably yeah. seem to be – they were lacking at quarterback. Other than that, they've always had a solid program. And uh, that quarterback looked pretty good in the Rose Bowl last year, and uh, I, I, think that, I think they're the favorites in the conference, even above Oregon. Joey? Uh, yeah, I just want to uh, real quick point out something about sure. Fresno State. Fresno State last year, um, I think I think they only they, – they didn't graduate a lot of players. They had one player drafted, and I think they, they were basically playing with a young team. So it's not like he – it's not like Kalen DeBoer played, you know, with like – uh, you know, senior heavy team where they graduated like 25 players of seniors, you know, and they were uh, kind of destined to have a, you know, 11 and two record or whatever they 10 and three, 11 and two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like Fresno could, could be good again this year. So, I mean, it's not like, I mean, Kalen DeBoer took like a young team and yeah, made him a fucking, you know, a, you know, a badass, you know, a group of badasses. Um, so, so that's a that's a bonus there, um, but uh, yeah, I was in uh, I was in Arizona last week, and it's just it's just amazing how well I was in Vegas for three days and then Arizona for four. But you know you're in Vegas and you know you wear a, you wear a husky hat, and I mean I got fucking go dogs like people saying go dogs like everywhere. Maybe maybe it's just hmm. a Washington destination. But I mean, even I even had like good conversations with you know a couple Cougar fans, you know, and and uh, I, I saw like no Duck fans. I saw you know no no other fans from any other team, and then went into Arizona and still saw like no nobody sporting like Wildcat gear. Uh, you know, fucking. Is this the barometer by which you're you're basing your uh, predictions just, for the season. No, just, I, no, I mean, I mean, we'll. No, I mean, I, I mean, we'll look. We'll, we'll lose in Tempe. We always lose in Tempe, but I mean, we'll 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 beat Arizona. What you know, the Wildcats up here, and and we'll lose to the Sun Devils down there. But I, I'm just saying, like, I I mean, it's just you you notice, like, I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating what a nothing burger you know these other these other uh, schools are. It doesn't matter where you go, what what state you go, you you don't see, you know, like, you know, these colleges represented, but, you know, yet it's like, but you see, you know, Cougars and, you know, Huskies stuff, you know, wherever you go, but, but yet we're supposed to be like, uh, you know, on our hands and knees, like fucking uh, bowing to USC every fucking year. You know, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's baffling to me. I, I, uh, I, it, you know, people call me crazy, uh, but I think USC is like one of the most overrated programs. You know, in college football, I mean, they they get they have a run every twenty years or whatever, and then they they fucking go soft again, and people start beating them up. You know, it's only when the media, like, begs them to fire a coach and hire a good coach that they finally get something in there. And they lucked out with Pete Carroll. That was their fifth, that was their fifth fucking option. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, if, I can't, I, I'm fucking tired of hearing about USC. They're, you know, it's not – USC's never Did really we... got me worried. 
you know, on the schedule or whatever. So, Rody, are you still there? Yeah. Okay, so I think we lost Willie. Maybe he. I think he. He. Uh, he, he had a. He had a prior uh, engagement, but uh, that ended well, up. Oh being, yeah. That ended up. Oh, got, uh, coming around late. So. Yeah, it says he, he dropped he off two minutes it. ago. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't need to hear so he, me talk. He hears it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I guess in the, in the last few minutes here, um, yeah, just as we're kind of uh, looking around the conference, is there any other thoughts? I mean, you know, even on the boards, I, sometimes I even find it amazing because I'm the administrator on, on Hardcore Husky. Uh, there's no cougar talk ever. <laughs> Ever, you know? Nope you you got you got hay in the ducks going at it every day. But uh, yeah, there's <laughs> is there even? I, I you're right. I, there isn't one cougar fan that really seems to. I'm, there's a few, but they they don't really talk football. You know, they don't. Uh, no, they're not talking much about the cougs. I think the cougs will be all right, and we got to count on them to beat Oregon. I I lost a lot of money last year. Uh, I bet on uh, WSU to beat Oregon because well, I think there was a spread, but I forget what it was. Because Oregon has a coog problem, I I got it from Race Bannon. He says that uh, Oregon has a coog problem, and I believe it. <laughs> well, I look at the. I I know a lot of people feel the same way. It's like I look at the cougs, like you know, like I look at the. I don't know the fucking Tennessee Titans or something. It's like, yeah, I don't hate that team. I don't root for them. I don't root against them. Like, you know, it's not like. It's not like I spend, you know, my my days shitting all over the Cougs, you know, or whatever. And, and you know, they they've got a different philosophy. Like they they don't even know they don't even know any of their players. They just hate the Huskies. You know, that that's like right. a, that's like a Cougar, a typical Cougar fan. You know, I know. Um, but granted, I got like two or three really good friends who aren't like that, but you know, and aren't bitter and sour at everything the Huskies do. But you know, it's. It's like most Husky fans I know. It's just like it's just like you know another team to them. It's like they don't they don't sit there and watch you know the Cougars play uh, you know UCLA and you know root for the Bruins to beat them by like 800 points. Like you know <laughs> you, you just watch the game like it's two teams you you don't you know you don't really have any interest over. You know you just entertain. I think part of that is that, you know, I, I have a bunch of Coug friends. I'd say I have more Coug friends than uh, Husky fans. I think part of it is, you hmm. know, when every recruit of yours is a two-star recruit, you don't really follow any of the guys that come in. So each year, you know, guys come and go, and you don't really know who's going to play next. And so they're just, you know, it's just numbers <laughs> on the jersey. Kind of like, kind of like being a fan. <laughs> Kind of like being a, a fan in a small town with a double-A baseball team. <laughs> right. Right. The players well, come I, and go, and it's not important. <laughs> I watch games, I, I watch games with, with uh, you know, alleged hardcore Coug fans that wear, you know, Cougar shit, um, you know, like most of the year, except for right after they lose the Apple Cup, then the gear disappears But for a few months. But I, I watch them with, like, hard, they don't know any players. It's like... I end up knowing more more of their players than they do, just because just I, I, based on being a football fan, you know. It's like, I, I do miss being I, able to just blow them out. I remember in 2016, you know, I, I think the game was for the Pac-12 title, and uh, you know, I ha- I'd have these two buddies being like, "Oh, it's going to be a good game," and I just think, 
you guys are nuts. UW's going to blow you guys out. Like, it's going to be bad. And then when it happens, it feels really good. And uh, it's been a while since we can say that. Well, it seems like a while. At least. We didn't play in 2020, and last year we got blown out. So it seems like it's been a long time, at least. They, if they were if they were that good of a team, they'd have beat Washington by uh, seventy five points last year. I think they didn't they lose their bowl game too. I think they lost pretty bad in their bowl game, or they lost to a nobody. I believe. I'm not sure. I you know memory's a little fuzzy. Let's see. Well, on my Google page, it says Adam Siri, so let me cancel that out. I had to look that up earlier. (laughs) Cougars 2021. Oh, wait, this is telling me basketball, so never mind. Hang on. But um, let's see here. This is great. This is great radio here. Yeah, right? Uh, Dead air as we look at this. Who the Cougs played in the bowl game? Riveting stuff. Let's see. They lost to Central Michigan. They lost to Central Michigan 24 to 21 in the Sun Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely not a great team. (laughs) Yeah. 40 to 13 against UW. Man, I don't even remember it being that bad. Damn, that's bad. I do. It was like. just watch that. Watch that Asa Turner. Um, you know that okay. open field, just disgusting Asa Turner play, where he just runs into the blocker instead of just trying to go for the ball carrier. <laughs> so bad. I know exactly what he's doing. And uh, there was a time when I, in my in my glory days, my Uncle Rico days, where I played at Central Camp against Jonathan Stewart, and I did the same thing as Austin Turner does. You kind of get close and just kind of dive at the ankles or make a weak attempt. So I know what he's doing. I, I've seen it. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, you got to feel that these coaches, if, if they're made up of what we think they're made up of, they're going to have him on a short leash, no pun intended. And uh, Right. Unless they feel they have absolutely no other option, he's gonna. As the season progresses, if he continues with that trend, he'll be on the sideline more than on the field. So, you know, the fact that he's still first on the depth chart, I think uh, he he obviously does something. You know what what that is, I haven't seen it yet, but it'll depend we'll on how much year. we'll know. I think I think we'll know a lot in that first game by how much he splits time. Uh huh. Absolutely, and we'll know about you know watching him. Hopefully, he sticks his nose in there. At least making effort. I, I, I've, I've been hard on him just because it's just one of the fundamentals of football. You know, you got to block, you got to tackle. If you don't want to, you got no business on the field. Agreed. And then, uh, and then, uh, just in regards to college football in general, I know we got some early season matchups, um, and uh, we we talked a little bit about uh, Oregon, Georgia, and then there's Texas, Alabama. Um, UCLA's, who are they playing? Uh, there's some interesting matchups coming up in, in September. I think UCLA, I was reading the other day, they have a very easy non-conference schedule, I believe. Who am I thinking of then? But uh, Yeah, U- UCLA plays South playing Alabama and Bowling Green. What are you going to say, Joey? Utah's playing in the swamp. That's yeah, what that's it was. Thank you. 
That's a good yeah. game. That's and Utah's Utah's ranked wow. seventh, and uh, Florida's unranked. What did you say? Utah's uh, ranked seventh. Seven, huh? Wow. Yeah, and uh, Florida's unranked. I can see Florida just like I can see Florida beating them by like ten. You know, just uh, you know, you there is a top disparity a little bit. Uh, Florida has some better athletes for sure, but I think Utah will win that game actually. But no, I'm just saying like uh, Utah's probably the better team. I just see, I, I just see like you know, a, a, like the Auburn Washington game where it's like right the Pac, the Pac-12 goes down somewhere and just plays like absolute shit for no reason. You know, we need that to change. Yeah, that that seems to happen quite a bit. We do need a big win. Uh, you know, I forgot about it until Derek mentioned about Oregon beating Ohio State, but that's about the only one I can really remember about a big uh, Pac-12 win, non-conference win at least. I'm really interested yeah. in that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there's a Colorado plays TCU at home. Um, Night of the second. Yeah, UCLA plays Bowling Green. Arizona, this is the first week. Arizona at San Diego State. Um, let's see, USC plays Rice at home. I mean, then you got, like, your fucking Stanford versus Colgate. <laughs> California versus UC Davis. Washington State versus Idaho. and Oh, Oregon State versus Boise State. That'll be – that's during the Washington game, though, so – I would have check been, out. I, I never have. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I can no, say no. I'll have to check. I'll have to check out. You know the fans at that uh, Stanford Colgate game. Hot ticket right there. I'm sure. You know. <laughs> in Colorado, so they're, they're looking forward to that one. Oh my god. And I'm just. I'm really interested to see Alabama, uh, Texas on September 10th. Uh, 9 a.m. That game will is a kickoff for Pacific time. I'm, I think that one will be a bloodbath, Derek. I don't think that's a controversial take right there. I think it'll be very bad for old Sarky boy. They're very. Texas is very young, I hear. Yeah, yeah. How many, they will be next year and the year after too. They'll be young. <laughs> they'll be young forever. How many? How many? How many boogers does Sarky during that game? <laughs> the over and under is five. I, I can't believe just a big program would hire that guy again. Uh, you know, that's where that's where you're 100 percent right about. You know that we're acting like UW's and Oliver Twist program. You know, please give us some more. But uh, <laughs> you know, going seven and six at UW, it's not an accomplishment. You know, I, nope. I, I think it's, it's. I don't think it's too hard. Even now, even now, if if the board goes seven and six this year, I don't think I'll be too happy with it. No. I'm not expecting a championship either, but I, I think you can basically show up and win seven games in college football. Well, at least it with our goes, schedule in our conference. Right, right, right. It goes right. to show you. We're not, we're not playing the SEC West here. Right. It goes to show you how hard it is to find a good coach. I mean, yep. if, you're, if you're recycling guys like Kiffin and uh, Sark, um, who who else keeps – like um, – we kind of Colorado, man. What a dead program right there. You hire Carl Durrell as your head coach, and oh. you know that one's going to work out well. <laughs> well, they had a... Big upside with that one. 
Who's who's their uh, uh, fuck? Who's their wide receiver coach and offensive coordinator? It used Purdue? to be a player. Is it, is it like Shiverini or or was he Purdue? Oh yeah, yeah, I think he's the offensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah, it's like you, all you have to do just promote that guy. He's you know he's an alum, and you know where's he going to go? You right. Know, but you went you went out and hired fucking uh, stale fucking milk toast Carl Durrell. Right. That- not you know, quite John Donovan, and John Donovan was only a coordinator, but you're hiring a guy who's bounced around the NFL from team to team as a receivers coach. Yeah, let's just right. bring him into, you know, it used to be a pretty good program right there. It's just, yeah, it's crazy how the landscape changes. Uh, I have a good buddy that's a big Nebraska fan, and it's just like, I don't know how you guys were ever good. You know, I, I don't see it happening again for you guys, and I know they still have the big fan base and stuff, but. Man, I don't think they change. recruit LA like they used to, though. So yeah, and uh, and you know the roster size is in a, You know, I think steroids being a newer thing back then did help. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they, you, that's the thing. It's like you look at the recruiting. You never hear any big recruits, you know, wanting to go to Nebraska. It seems like right. a few four-star guys here and there. And uh, to get back to UW, our running back, uh, backup running back right now, Will Nixon. Couldn't even get on the field in Nebraska, so hopefully we yeah. found the diamond in the rough there. But I, <laughs> well, I hate that term. <laughs> you were also you were also able to hide, you know, hide things a lot better. You know, you, you're able to hide guys like Lawrence Phillips, you know, before you know before true, the true. before and, everything was on cell phones and recorded, right? But by the way, oh, you know, uh, imagine Lawrence God. Phillips these days. Wow, Scott, Scott Frost, uh, Scott Frost, uh, biggest biggest piece of shit in the country, uh, was was a uh, fucking Lawrence Phillips' girlfriend, and then he comes he comes back to the apartment, um, and he hides in the closet, hides in the closet, yeah, while while uh, while Lawrence Phillips like beats the shit out of his girlfriend. Oh yeah, wow, Scott Frost, yeah, fuck Scott. I didn't Frost. know that was he Scott Phillips. Or Scott Frost. Yeah, no, it, every, it, was, it was Scott, Scott Frost. <laughs> he could lose Scott every Scott Frost. Scott Phillips was on the theater in 1976. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good pull right there. That is true. I've read that before myself. Yeah, that guy's a so, pile, of, pile of shit. They should sanction Nebraska to lose every fucking game for 100 years for hiring back that. That fucking coward. I, well, I, I I agree with the sentiment. I'll say this though: when they hired Scott Frost, he was going thirteen and zero at Central Florida. It seemed like a big time hire. You know, you go thirteen and zero at Central Florida, you think yeah, we got we got a coach here. So it just goes back to your point about it is hard to find this a really good coach. Most of these coaches, there's some level of average, and I think a lot of them, you know, they talk about how hard they work and stuff. I don't think a lot of them really work that hard, and they stick with their same tired schemes and they hire their buddies. And you know, just kind of sticks them in perpetual media mediocrity. Sure. So I, I guess as we as we wrap up and conclude here, what do you? Uh, I know I predicted nine and three on uh, on that poll that was on there. And what, what did you guys predict for the Husky season this year? I think I picked eight and five, eight, eight and four, eight and five. Uh, I think eight nine wins is where I'm at right now. And Joey went twelve you know, and zero. I remember. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wish. I, I, I wish. I wish I, I could say that, but uh, not this year. <laughs> uh, I think I just. I think I just 
uh, doubled down on eleven and two. Or there we go. From last year. There we go. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Whatever. And you know, it goes back. Uh, you know, we, we you can talk we can talk each other into a big season or not. It just goes back. You look at the teams we're playing. You know, Cal, Arizona. And you just think, okay, we should be them. They, you know, you even yeah. look at Oregon, UCLA, and you think, nah, it's not a not set in stone that we lose to these guys. They're not, you know, these aren't. It's not murderers row right here. And I don't know if there's a, such a thing as karma in college football, but uh, it feels like we probably paid any karmic debt if we had one. And it's time, it's time some good stuff happens here. So, absolutely. I mean, we. At some point, we have to pull a Kramer and fall ass backwards into something good, you know. <laughs> right. Right. It, it seems like that never happens. You see these other teams lock into these, you know, 10-win seasons. Uh, you know, even when we were good under Peterson, I wouldn't say we lucked into them. We, you know, we had to get them tooth and nail, even though we were the more superior teams basically every week. Yeah. Yep, so... All right, hey, uh, Rody, uh, loved having you on, and hope you'd like to come on again sometime. Absolutely, had a good time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah you bet. For coming. And, uh, so, uh, shout out to Damone, who's drinking solo on the side of his house <laughs> by the air conditioner. And uh, it'd be so great uh, if he do, if he does tune in. You know, he's just talking all this shit, but he really is tuning in. <laughs> And he said, so, he said, right, he said that, uh, which we don't, he's 100% right. You know, we have no more inclination of what's going on with the UW program. I don't think any of us would consider us insiders. But, no. you know, sometimes you get the former players on there, and they don't know shit either. All right, Damone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what, what do you want to hear? You want to hear Rosie? Uh, I love him, hometown boy, but you want to hear fucking Cam Cleland be all rosy and shit about the right. And, yeah. and I, I will say Hugh has good football knowledge, but, you know, we don't need to hear about five- and seven-step drops and, you know, sluggo routes either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and if they do well, be it players or the team, we'll sing their praises too. So it's not we, – we have a reputation of wanting to shit on everything, and that's not true. It's just that things have been largely so bad for so long. That uh, and we're not just going to stand by, and that's what you know, and that's what makes Mike Varell so refreshing and, a, and a, such a stunning hire by the Seattle Times that uh, that he uh, points things out, and he you know he he reads hardcore Husky, so yep, um, he, he does seem in so, on the jokes a little bit, and uh, you know you yep. can hear it every now and then in his reporting. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. So, thanks, hey, Mike. <laughs> thanks for listening. So, hey, great talk, great talking with you guys, and we'll talk real soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Sway's Wigwam, yeah. Sway's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun.
laughing after he did that one, but 